Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello, and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. Do you wear sunglasses outdoors in the winter? Absolutely. Yes, okay, that's what I thought. That's the right move. Yeah. I mean, actually, Erin, do you see the glasses I'm wearing right now? They are will, they transitions? They are. They are transitions because I get so sensitive to the light that sometimes inside the house I need them to just uh, shade up a little bit. I was in the Midwest this past weekend yeah. uh, with PSA, mm-hmm. and I saw so many people walking around Madison in the middle of the day without sunglasses I on. don't understand that. It was that. madness. That is insanity. It was madness. It doesn't, sunglasses have nothing to do with the temperature. You wear no. them because it helps you and not squint. Actually, in the winter sometimes, sunglasses are even more vital because of the reflection of the sun onto the snow. Boom. Mm-hmm. Also, they keep the cold air off of your sensitive eye area. That too. Erin, there is no way that you and I are not absolutely fucking correct about this. <laughs> this week, we're joined by Jody Pico, Megan Gailey, and Michaela Watkins to take on the following questions. Why are doctors fleeing anti-choice states? How does an author who's been targeted for book bans fight back? Do red state lawmakers actually expect to make it illegal for girls to talk about their periods? And what target of 1990s sexism is finally getting her say? All this and more right now. A lot of news to get to today. Has he been indicted yet? Has he not been indicted yet? Who knows by the time you're listening to this. But even more importantly, Alyssa, guess what day it is. Erin, is it Petty Brew launch day? It sure is. We are so excited to announce that Hysteria's first ever blend with Crooked Coffee is out now. How much fun did you have coming up with this? Erin, this was so much fun for us from the packaging to the coffee itself. And it is, I don't know, perfect in every way. 
Yeah, it smells delicious. It tastes awesome. It has nutty, chocolatey, and a little bit of cherry, and it's a medium roast. You and I have different tastes in coffee, yes. generally, but on this, we, we agree. love both. We, we love. We both love it. Absolutely love it. It would go great with a little breakfast pastry. It would be go. It would go great as just a. Oh, I just need to get some coffee in me before I get out the door. It, it's just a wonderful. It's a nice cup little afternoon snack. Hmm. Oh, have it with like an afternoon biscotti. Piece of cake. Yeah. Biscotti. Piece of cake. <laughs> you are so much more refined than me. <laughs> uh, Petty Brew is available in whole bean, freshly ground, or in these amazing single-serve bags that are perfect for on-the-go caffeine. I've been using that this week. Aren't they I great? I really love them. I love the single-serve. So, single-serve is great. It's so convenient. And actually, I discovered that you can kind of stretch it. You can make like a extra big thing. Who, from who are you, my mother? <laughs> I know. I know, but I just, when I have one cup of Petty Brew, I'm like, I wish there were more. So like one cup isn't enough for me. I need to make more. I get it. Yeah. So all listeners, we we have our Petty Brew. We want you to get yours too. Head to crooked.com slash coffee and be one of the first to try out Petty Brew. Okay, Alyssa, I hope you have your Petty Brew coffee in hand. She does. It is in hand. She does. Uh, We have some real fuckery we need to get into this week. So as we've talked about on this show, and as a lot of advocates have talked about, um, the end of Roe v. Wade doesn't just mean the end of abortion care. The Mm -hmm. end of abortion care is is a huge deal and is a violation of the human rights of half of the people in this country. But that's not all that ha- that is going to happen as a result of this. Right now, we're seeing some really bad effects. And I'm going to say, I hope I'm wrong, but this is only going to be the first of many. Um, a hospital in Idaho is going to stop providing pregnancy care entirely. It's unfucking believable Entirely. Yeah. There's no more, there's no more obstetric care. A North Idaho hospital will stop offering pregnancy care this spring due in part to an Idaho law that criminalizes abortion care. Actually, Idaho has several laws on the books that make it difficult for doctors to practice OBGYN medicine. And so the hospital announced on Friday that they're just not going to provide any services to pregnant people anymore. Mm -hmm. Bonner General, which serves much of rural North Idaho, lost pediatric coverage and has seen a decrease in yearly deliveries. But I did look into how many they were delivering every year, and it's not like five. It was like 200-something. It's a lot in a rural part of the state. In a rural part of the state, they're not having a baby born every day, but that's like 200 families. That's 200 women. So there's been a decrease in yearly deliveries, but that has been compounded by Idaho laws that criminalize abortions. And the hospital has said physicians have just left the state rather than deal with them. And so the hospital's just not going to provide obstetric care anymore. Um, yeah. That is, I mean, look, I, I understand why the doctors are leaving the state. I, they don't want to put themselves in a position where they are damned if they do and damned if they don't. And also, Aaron, this comes on the heels of uh, the Idaho State Supreme Court in January upholding multiple laws that amount to near total abortion bans, only permitting, this is one of my favorites, only permitting defenses in the court for abortions performed in documented cases of rape incest or to save a pregnant person's life. Here's the thing. We recently had uh, findings come out about this country's maternal mortality, right? Yep. 
it continues to be egregious and it continues to be rising. I think it's something like 16 times what it is in Australia or something. It's it's egregious. Like we we are far and away a country that is more deadly to pregnant women than any other country that has the infrastructure that we have, right? Right. Couldn't all pregnancies be considered a threat to the life of the pregnant person? I mean, yes. realistically, yes. it is like you will be maimed by a pregnancy, regardless of how well it goes. Like a perfect pregnancy and a perfect delivery fucks you up. Like, I don't understand like the, oh, a threat to the per- pregnant person's life. I feel like there's an argument that could be made that every pregnancy theoretically can threaten your life. And how does making women drive 50 miles in some cases in this part of Idaho to see an OBGYN not a threat to their life? Yeah. Uh, If you're in labor, it's going to be kind of difficult to drive. Yeah. uh, 50 miles. It's going to be difficult to drive like five to 10 miles, much more difficult to drive 50 miles. Um, It's really, it's really bad. And as a result of what's happening in North Idaho, it's impacting people who are looking for care in the surrounding areas as well because it's jamming up those clinics, right? Right. Women still need obstetric care regardless. You know, they're not going to not get it. So what they're doing is driving to Spokane County in Washington State. The Planned Parenthoods there have seen an increase in patients coming across the border. This is for like obstetric care, right? Like screenings and stuff. Traveling for obstetric care also leads to worse health outcomes. Um, yeah, it's it's makes really sense. bad right now. Yeah, I mean, yes, of course it makes sense. But here's another thing. You know, we're seeing doctors fleeing Idaho because Idaho is making it difficult for doctors to practice there. I can see a domino effect happening in every state that's doing this. What young woman would want to move there? What young person who would want to move there? Years? And who would want to be a doctor there? I mean, Erin, imagine if I were your doctor and something and you were in distress and you were pregnant. What what are my choices? I help yeah. you because that is what I want to do. That is what the, my, the oath I have taken as a doctor has told me to do, knowing that if one person in the hallway or your neighbor tells someone that I helped you, that I could go to jail, lose my license and, you know, go to go to jail. So, yeah. I mean, these these states are legislating themselves out of existence because mm-hmm. as long as there are other places that people can go, other doc- other places that doctors can go and practice, other places that young people can move that have a a less terrifying like outlook for their health, uh, their ability to access healthcare, um, they're just imagine if you were like a college student, right? Not even mm-hmm. like a doctor. Imagine if you were like thinking about going to college. And you have narrowed it down to uh, CU Boulder and the University of Idaho, right? Easy choice. Or, you know, Gun- yeah, Gonzaga or, or Boise State or whatever. Everything else is equal. Same, you know, like FAFSA package, everything like yep. that. I, you're going to, if you're a person who might possibly need abortion care, or if you are anti-abortion for yourself, obstetric care, you're going to go to a place where that's available, which is right. Colorado. You know, like eventually these states are going to, it's going to take like a generation for these states to be so chock full of old people <laughs> and no families that and, and and extreme poverty that they're going to have to like 
ship people in or coerce people in? Like, I don't, wh- what's your long game, Idaho? Like, what I, do you think is going to happen? What can the, I don't know that you can drop the ta- the income tax or the re- property tax low enough to make it a potable place to want to go and move to, frankly. Yeah. I think that, you know, <laughs> yes, that's a very, there's no amount of money that can buy a person going to a place where they are in physical harm's way, like all the time because of their yeah. anatomy. Right. Um, Wyoming, speaking of states that are legislating themselves right out of relevance, Wyoming has made abortion pills illegal. And thus, basically all abortions are illegal in Wyoming at this point. Um, the abortion pill ban that was signed by Governor Mark Gordon uh, would take effect on July 1st. Um if an abortion provider in the state sues over it, it could be delayed. But yeah, abortion is now completely illegal in Wyoming, which shouldn't be a state. It's it shouldn't be a state. But but if anyone ever doubted that these Republican majorities and state legislatures were going to take their majorities out for a spin, here is the proof. <laughs> this is exactly what happens. Um, yeah. So there's more stuff going on in other states in Utah. Utah became the first state this month to pass a law banning abortion clinics altogether. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, and then you have to go to a hospital. Yeah, you have to get a hospital to get abortion care now, which is unnecessary. Unnecessary. In South Carolina, the GOP-dominated lawmakers are debating what kind of ban to try next after a ban on abortions after six weeks was rejected by the state's top court. I'm glad they're putting so much of their brain power into solving the real problems. Uh, in this country. Uh, and uh, in Minnesota, they're doing nothing. They're, they're doing, doing nothing. They're doing nothing but sitting around like like witches over a cauldron being like, and now what can we do? Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. There are yeah. so many problems in this country. They could they could be helping people instead of just terrorizing people. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, Florida. Let's not forget about Florida, although oh, I wish Florida. we could. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not not fuck Floridians, but fuck Florida in terms of you know, its government and all that stuff. Uh, lawmakers are trying to figure out what bans to put into place. Florida has previously banned abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy, which is much looser than other GOP-controlled states. There's a new measure to ban them after six weeks that's been advancing through the legislature, and Governor Ron DeSantis is expected to sign that ban if it gets to him. Did you know Ron DeSantis is only 5'9"? Unrelated. I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He's got he's got bitchy chihuahua energy. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. Minnesota's doing good stuff. Yes. Can we let's, yes. let's Minnesota talk a little bit about- last year? Democrats had some had good success in Minnesota. They have control of the government, and the governor this year signed additional protections for abortion access into law. And Aaron, there's wow. even a little bit of good news. Out of Oklahoma? Oh, my gosh. It's like the the least. The bar is so low for good news. It is like if this news were not, it did not exist, the news would be so like unfathomably bad. Yeah. This the, is oh, slightly better than unfathomably bad. This is, it's, it's, it's a very low bar. The Oklahoma Supreme Court ruled uh, earlier this week that its state constitution 
does guarantee the right to terminate a pregnancy that threatens a patient's life. Its 5-4 decision invalidated a provision of Oklahoma's near-total abortion ban and preserved the possibility of finding a more expansive right to reproductive autonomy in a future case. Aaron, the ruling allows physicians to provide an abortion, quote, at any point in the pregnancy whenever they determine with, quote, a reasonable degree of medical certainty that denying care would endanger the woman's life. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the way it was previously was you had to be like in imminent danger of dying in order to obtain right. an abortion. You had to be like about to die. Uh, now a doctor can say, hey, this person has a ruptured uterus and eventually she will be in imminent danger of death. Can we just take care of this now before it's like a medical emergency? So there were lawmakers who wanted to make that person wait. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they wanted. They're like, you just sit tight. You just sit tight. It'll be definitive soon. So under the the previous law where death must be imminent, uh, if a doctor provided an abortion before the patient was at sufficient risk of death, they faced a $100,000 fine and 10 years imprisonment. Yep. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. That's that's really, really bleak. But the Oklahoma Supreme Court is the second Republican-controlled state this month to find a right to life-saving abortions under its state constitution, following uh, North Dakota Supreme Court last week. So if you're probably going to die from a pregnancy, then you can have an abortion. In those states. Sounds like these uh, judges, justices, were really concerned about the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future haunting them. So they were like, let's open the door a little. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I've said this before, but like, sex isn't that good. <laughs> it's not like, if I'm like, I, let's say I'm a, a woman in North Dakota and I'm like, hmm, am I going to have like a sexual relationship with a man knowing that the risk is that if something bad happens to me, I have very little recourse to save my own life. It's like not, I would die for sex good, you know? No, no, no. I think I think that I would just, if I were in those places, I would be like, you know what? Celibacy for now until we get into a place that has some reasonable laws. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. We have some good education news. Uh, oh, the governor of Minnesota doing more good stuff. Making sure the kids can have food. Aaron, did you see the picture of this? Alyssa? It was adorable. It was adorable. It's adorable. Governor Tim Walz is an adorable governor, as far he, as governors go, though. He's an he adorable was. guy. An adorable governor. He was an adorable congressman. We're we're happy for this adorable person to be uh, just doing good things. Yeah, he signed a law on Friday that provides breakfast and lunches at no charge to students at participating schools in the state of Minnesota. Minnesota is the fourth state in the country to do so. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And you know what? In reading uh, up on this, I had no idea. It's one of the upsides of this legislation that he's provided is that all the kids get the same meals. I had no idea that there was a world in which if you were a a student with a subsidized meal, you may get different food than the other kids. That seems traumatic. Uh, So anyway, this is all the same food for everybody, which seems absolutely like the right fucking thing to do. Yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy that kids would be getting different meals Ooh. than the other kids if they yeah. if they were ooh, that's that's not good at all. And you know, they've there's been a lot of talk about protecting children, um, mm-hmm. you know, across the aisle. This is like 
a measure to actually protect children. Food insecurity causes like a ton of problems for kids. Like nutritional deficiencies obviously cause physical health problems, but anxiety, mental health problems, a lot of times could be traced back to kids being food insecure when they're growing up. And so this is a really great move. It's it's like such a no-brainer for states to just do this if they care about children. But but they but they mostly don't. Oh my gosh. Okay. Have you looked at Twitter recently? Has he been indicted yet? No, no. As of our logging on here, he had not been indicted. But my sister is uh, down in the city and she's uh, she's keeping watch for us, Aaron. Oh, good. Good. So you'll get you'll get a text right away. Yeah. Um, I am at this point. I'm glad that there is a uh, indictment coming down the pike for him. I kind of would like to see a curveball happen and another one happen. Like yeah. everyone's camped out outside the Manhattan courthouse and then actually it's Fulton County, Georgia. Right, that right, right. First. Um, I just, I'm like tired of, I'm, I'm tired of the fact that this news story lets Donald Trump be in the center of the yeah. news once again. I just want him to like, Get charged and then get the fuck out. I'm so tired of him. I heard yesterday on um, uh, Caitlin Collins on CNN talking about, and she usually has quite reliable Trump sources, that he is literally prepping his perp walk. That he's like thinking, and you know what? And you know it's true that he's like, how am I going to look? How am I going to play this? I mean, Go, just go go away. Just can, can this be he, can done? You blame can this him, be though? done, please? Can you can you blame him? Can you blame him though? I mean, this is one thing where I'm like, okay, I get it. If I were going to take a I perp walk and I knew the it. entire world was watching, I would be like, how am I going to walk? What do I do with my arms? Nobody ever taught me what to do with my arms. What do I do? I mean, Donald Trump does not know. What it's to do true. With he arms. does not know what to do with his arms. Well, you know what? I hopefully we'll see if he's learned uh, how to do anything with his arms. I think we'll know that an indictment is imminent. When representatives from the Trump organization can be seen installing an escalator outside of the Manhattan courthouse. So he doesn't yes. have to walk at all. He oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I think that would be really narratively satisfying. Starts with an escalator <laughs> ride, ends with an escalator ride. Eventually that escalator will take him all the way down to hell. Um <laughs> Quick toast before toast. we take a break and get to our interview. I'm really excited for this interview. This, this was this is a great interview and also a great toast. Yes. Okay. Who are we going to toast, Alyssa? We're going to toast Barbara Lee. Erin, do you know why we're toasting Barbara Lee today? I do, but I want to hear it from you. Okay. So 20 years ago this week, America invaded Iraq, and she was the only no vote 20 years ago. She was right. Seems. She was right. Pretty prescient. We should make her, I mean, in a way, she is the ultimate news witch, right? Totally. The Iraq War cost two point four trillion dollars, uh, thousands and thousands of innocent lives. It, it 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 just a complete disgrace. And there are so many people that are so prominent in political gabbing that were so pro the war, like, and, and they just kind of you know, if you're when you're a political pundit, you just get to be like really fucking wrong, and keep. But not Barbara career. Lee. Not Barbara Lee. One of the she rightest the, bitches in the game. One of perhaps the rightest bitch in the game. And we have to give her a toast this week. Yes. Um, and also that was really brave for her to totally. be the only one to say no. Do you remember how weird it felt back then? Yes. I mean. The vibes were off. 
They were the, bad vibes. It was bad vibes. I mean, it was it was a yeah. scary time. Were you, how did you feel about the invasion when it happened? Just like full disclosure, were you pro, were you anti? You know, I don't really, to be totally fair, I don't remember having a real position on it. I just remember being scared by it. That's like thinking that this was, you know, you invade someone, sometimes they retaliate. You don't know how they're going to retaliate. Um, you know, and also don't forget back then people were still like really confused about how 9-11 happened. So Mm-hmm. Different time. Yeah. And then there was Different like, time. you know, there, people were being fed like Judith Miller columns and stuff. Exactly. Um, I remember I was in, in college at a conservative university and I remember having a debate with a guy who was a friend of mine who was a poli-sci major. And I was like, I don't know this. I think this is like really bad and I don't think we should do it. I don't want to go to war with Iraq. I don't think they did 9-11 and this is weird. And he was like, he gave me this, mo- I just still remember he gave, I was so uncomfortable with the invasion. And I remember he gave me this really smug mansplainy lecture. And I was like, afterwards, I was like, I guess maybe he must know what he's talking about. Maybe he knows more than me, but no, all we no. knew was the information we were being fed. And it just didn't, it didn't pass the smell test. Barbara Lee knew it. I knew it. You knew it. More people should have known it. What a and mistake. Here we are. Okay, let's do we are. Let's take a okay, here we are. Let's take a break. When we come back, an interview with author Jody Pico. And welcome back, Alyssa. Yes. When I tell you every single woman I've told about this week's interview guest. Every single one has been like, oh, my God. Are you kidding? Squeal like a stuck pig. All of them. It's, it is squeals all the way down. Totally. Our guest today is a number one New York Times bestselling author of 28 novels, which is crazy, <laughs> including My Sister's Keeper, Wish You Were Here in 19 Minutes. In addition to being the newest star of book talk, I'm going to say, <laughs> her work has been translated into 34 languages and sold 40 million books. What? Her work, t- yeah, 40 million. <laughs> That's a lot. Her work touches on issues from school shootings to LGBTQ rights to the Holocaust to abortion, which means she's landed on a few banned book lists. Good thing she's not shy about hitting back Jody Pico, welcome to Hysteria. Thanks for having me. So what's it been like watching your books get banned? And why do you think your books are on so many banned lists? Well, so the, my books have been banned, honestly, for years. You know, and they kind of go on and off the banned lists. Um, in the past year, there has been a proliferation of of book banning, and in particular, banning my book. Uh, the one that most often is banned is 19 Minutes. The reason it has been banned more often is because it wound up in a binder that the moms of for liberty have, and they're the ones who are basically, um, they're a national organization with local chapters, and they provide these binders to people in their chapters who then go to their schools and school boards and say, these books are problematic. And uh, depending on where they are, 
They uh, challenge the book. Sometimes they don't even have to uh, tell why the book is problematic. They just basically can remove it from shelves. Um, so I've been used to 19 minutes being banned. Like this has happened, I don't know, like 12 times in the past six months. But then last week, I got an email from Penn America, which tracks book banning. And they wanted me to know that in Martin County, Florida, 20 of my books had been banned at once. And I, you know, I, I kind of went, what? Um, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, one parent had actually um, made the request to ban a, a variety of books. There were 92 in total. I have actually seen the forms that she filled out in which she admits fully that she has not read the books. Um, she's challenging them because to her, they are um, they are considered to be adult romance and they don't belong on a high school bookshelf. Uh, this is very interesting to me. First of all, more than half of the books that she has challenged do not even have a single kiss in them. Second of all, I do not write adult romance. I do, however, write about things like racism and gun control and abortion rights and gay rights and lots of things that make children and, and teenagers think for themselves. And I think that's what's kind of scary about my books in particular to this this woman. Um, you know, of course, I am by far not the most affected author when it comes to book bans. Usually it is BIPOC and LGBTQ authors who are targeted, uh, but it's for the same reasons. It's because something in this book strikes a nerve with a parent. And I have to say, it was not a great week. You know, suddenly I wound up on Anderson Cooper and Rachel Maddow, like, the same day. And, you know, I I didn't plan to become a vocal spokesperson against book banning, but that role has kind of fallen into my lap right now. And I am more than happy to wave that banner. Um, we have seen what happens when people don't speak out against the book banners. We've seen it historically. And to be completely honest, it is not pretty. Um, so we need to take action now. Jody, even though you write about a wide array of very serious topics, your work has been a little pigeonholed into the chiclet category. What does chiclet mean to you and what does it do to the way a writer's work is received? Given your success, do you give a shit? No, I do. Alyssa, it's really that's actually a really interesting question in light of book banning. Um, you know, this this parent said my books are adult romance. I do not write adult romance. Look, there's nothing wrong with adult romance. You know, there are lots of people who read it and use it to escape. And that is awesome. That's what, what books do. Adult romance is not usually what you find on a high school shelf, you know, or a middle school shelf. Um, the truth is that when people say you write chick lit, they assume these are books for women, about women. Um, Chiclet usually has a connotation of being light and fluffy, a beach read, something like a romance, contemporary. Um, again, Chiclet's awesome. I mean, I read Chiclet on vacation. I love it. You know, I have many friends who write Chiclet. It just doesn't happen to be what I write. I write about moral and ethical dilemmas. And when people say you write Chiclet, what they really mean is that the writer has a vagina. Yeah. That the writer <laughs> is a woman, you know? And that that's problematic. That assumption that a woman can only write for other women, that's wrong. Um, you know, half my fan mail comes from men. Uh, and there are, there are many men who read women authors. It's true that there are many men who do not. We know that 
um, when you actually crunch the numbers, women tend to read both men and women and men tend to read men. Well, why is that? Could it possibly be because we're all labeled chiclet authors? <laughs> uh, Jody, have any of the books you've written proven pr- particularly prescient in hindsight? You mentioned 19 <laughs> minutes. Um, are there any that you look back yeah. on and, and, and wish you could change or wish that you could like update? Uh, there aren't any that I wish I could change or update, um, I, but many of my books have, I think, proved prescient at, at times. 19 Minutes is certainly one of them. Um, uh, my Sister's Keeper, in many ways, was very cutting edge about the idea of uh, save your sibling. Um, I would say the one that that probably is the most painful for me is A Spark of Light. That is about abortion rights and was written um, about the last standing independent abortion clinic in Mississippi, which, of course, has now been shut down thanks to the Dobbs decision. And when I was doing the research for that book and when I was on tour for that book, um, I talked a lot about how close we were to having abortion overturned. And in many cases, I had, you know, media saying to me, oh, aren't you overreacting? You know, and I feel a little like Cassandra, you know, I was telling the truth, Um, you know, but it wasn't necessarily believed. And of course, that's where we are now. And I think it's worth saying, hey, I'm back again. And I'm telling you that if you don't stop these challenges to book bans, we're going to be in a very dark place very soon because the methodology that these groups are using to ban books in local school districts, it's right from the playbook of how they chipped away at abortion rights in this country to the point where we forced it to the Supreme Court and overturned um, Roe versus Wade. So, you know, we we know what's going to happen. We can actually see the history unfolding. And um, and now is the time to act. Mm-hmm. On this show, we call ourselves news witches yes. because we've... <laughs> We were predicting it also, and I feel Love like it. Jody, you would be you would be in the news witch coven because you were right too. And and we were told that we were being hysterical. I mean, yeah. the name of the show is Hyster- ironic, hysteria. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But you know it, that that's what we were hearing too from the right. moment that Anthony Kennedy said he was stepping down. We were like, this uh-huh. is happening. Absolutely. Nobody, there are mm-hmm. a lot of men who didn't believe us, and yeah. they have not apologized to us at this point. Our inbox is open. Yeah. So is yes. Jody's. <laughs> oh, absolutely it is. You know, and I would love to be a member of this coven. It sounds right up my alley. Well, you're in. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you're in. You're, you're in. in. That's it. That's happening. Thanks. Thanks. You, well, you were just talking. <laughs> book bans have been happening throughout history. What do you absolutely. see as the next phase of this debate? It's already happening. So what we're seeing in, look, here's what we know. When you want to control the way a nation thinks, you control um, what they read. Right. Nazi Germany did it very, very well. Okay, so that's where we're headed. We don't want to get there, but we already have seen the steps toward, um, you know, uh, that that slow devolution in a fascist playbook, really. Uh, Basically, they start with book bans. We've already also seen um, challenges to uh, school drama programs with content that is deemed, quote, inappropriate. Again, who is doing the deeming? Who who has the credibility to say this is not appropriate for, for kids to do or, or for kids to, to put on as a show? Um, you know, so there's there's that. And uh, then there's also this, this marginalization of um, BIPOC and LGBTQ authors, that otherness, so we're already separating out a group. I, I remember this quite well from the Holocaust, actually. You know, again, you are you're taking a group and make and making them different from you. You're creating that divide. Um, and 
you know, we also are seeing curriculum challenges. That's happening all over Florida right now where they are, they're literally trying to erase history. Um, you know, in, in textbooks for elementary school kids, uh, Pen America uploaded a beautiful example of this where a description of Rosa Parks in language that could be used for a third grader now has no mention of her race. So she just, what? she literally now moves to the back of the bus because she's told she has to, and she doesn't want to not, she doesn't want to move to the back of the bus, even though she's told to, but they don't tell you why that happened. Now, you know, so you <laughs> oh can, you can actually change a textbook, but you cannot erase the history of enslavement in America, which we've done a very bad job of even reckoning with in this country. And, you know, the fact that, for example, one of the 20 books of mine that was banned is The Storyteller. The Storyteller is about the Holocaust. It is not an erotic novel. Trust me. <laughs> and, you know, the the problem in it is there is um, there is a Nazi in there who rapes a young woman. You know what? That happened. And you can you can take that off a shelf, but you're not going to change the fact that it happened. And you're not going to be able to tell us that Jews were not persecuted during the Holocaust or that the Holocaust didn't happen. You are not going to be able to take books of BIPOC authors off shelves and tell us that their history didn't happen. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's false. And yet we're seeing all of this evolve. So it's, it's, and it's happening really, really fast. We're talking about like in a matter of months, not years. And it's mm -hmm. important to say too, that when it comes to book bans, a lot of people, you know, you've heard, oh, it's a hoax. Oh, this isn't happening. So the thing about book bans is, these uh, legislatures that are passing laws that say if something is problematic, it should be taken off the shelf. Well, there's no process for review. So, for example, in Martin County, Florida, not only does the challenger not have to read the book and not have to give a reason for its removal, but then the principal has 15 days to talk to the challenger. After that, the media specialist has 15 days to talk to the challenger. And then the school board has 45 days to decide whether or not to keep this book on the shelf. If that does not happen in a timely fashion, guess what? the book stays off the shelf. Because mm. in Florida, if you are a teacher or a media specialist who has something problematic on your shelf and you have not self-selected to remove it, you can be charged with a third-class felony. Wow. You can have a fine of up to $5,000 and you can lose a teaching license. So obviously, people are operating there. Educators are operating under a culture of fear. And it's important to recognize that as long as a book is removed from a shelf, even if it's, quote, under review, end quote, it still is off the shelf. It is still is not accessible to kids who want to read it. That is a ban. Even if it's mm -hmm. temporary, it is a ban. Mm -hmm. Jody, what are your favorite frequent flyers on the banned books lists that you've mm. seen bandied about constantly? Are there any books that have been kicking around in your head that you just <laughs> know would immediately get banned in today's <laughs> political climate? Oh, yeah. I mean, Mad Honey, which is my most recent book. Um, the only reason it hasn't been banned is because I don't think people in Florida know what it's about yet. Uh, but, <laughs> but honestly, it is about um, about trans issues. And so, you know, that's just that's just waiting to happen. Uh, and, you know, there are so many incredible books on on the list right now that, you know, look, should anyone be removing Beloved? from a school library? No. You know, um, should anyone uh, be taking away something like The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas or any of Nick Stone's books? Um, or, uh, 
the um, Jason Reynolds books are phenomenal. And, you know, um, and then you also have, of course, something like genderqueer, which is usually held up uh, as an example of what porn looks like on a school bookshelf. Well, there are a lot of kids in the world who see themselves for the first time reflected in the pages of of a book in a library. And, you know, um, Dr. Rudine Sims Bishop has put it best when she talks about windows and mirrors, that books hold mirrors up to kids who need to see themselves represented, and they create windows so that kids can escape when they need to. Mm. And, you know, again, another fallacy that we hear is, oh, well, so your book is banned. They can get it at the public library. They can order it on Amazon. Yes, that is entirely true. If you have access to the public library, if you have transportation there, if you have a library card, if you have, um, you know, an Amazon account, a lot of people do not have those resources. And for many kids in this country, a school library really is the first step to them receiving and accepting knowledge and broadening their minds. And taking all of these books off the shelves that show the experiences, lived experiences that might be different from a particular child's lived experience, that begins to rob that child of the potential for compassion compassion and empathy. That's what books mm-hmm. do. They bring the world a little closer together. Book bans push us apart. Mm-hmm. And Jody, how can listeners who might not be located in Florida, <laughs> how can they fight back against book bans that are happening elsewhere? Great question, because a lot of people keep asking me that. So the first thing you need to do is when someone, when your, you know, your grandfather or your crazy uncle says to you at the dinner table, that's a hoax, fight back and say exactly what I said, that the minute you take a book off a shelf, even if it's temporary, it is still a book ban. Mm -hmm. Um, You also should attend a local school board meeting. If you live in an area where books are being challenged, speak out against the banning. It's really important to speak out more than anything. Um, Run for your local school board, you know, if, if that's something that is interesting to you, because we need those voices. Use your social media for good. Hey, TikTok generation, get on this, especially since, you know, a lot of the TikTok generation, they are young and they are closer to the bands. It's affecting them. Well, we need to hear how you're feeling about that. How do you feel when a parent of another kid tells you what you can not read. Is that right to you? We should be hearing from kids who are actually affected by these bands. And you should also, you know, if you can, start a band book club. That's a great way to make sure that that books are getting out to kids. If you can, if you're in a school district where books are banned, the Brooklyn Public Library offers a free online digital library card to any teenager so that they can have access to books that their school library can't provide for them. And, um... I also recommend that people go to pen.org, P-E-N.org slash action. There are all kinds of actionable steps that you can take if you want to be an ally, if you want to write to government officials, if you want to put your names on petitions, um, if you want to in some way start to speak out against book bans. So Jody Pico, newest member of the News Witch Coven, bestselling <laughs> author. Thank you so much for joining us today. This Thank was a great you. conversation. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much.
This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, (laughs) not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. <laughs> I refuse to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. 
Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. And welcome back. Alyssa, I'm sure you saw this viral video on March 15th, 2023, Florida Representative Stan McLean was answering questions about House Bill 1069, which is aimed at rewriting and restricting Florida's sex education curriculum. Mm. So in that video, he acknowledged that the proposed legislation he sponsored would prohibit instruction about menstruation to students that aren't yet in sixth grade. And it would forbid any discussion whatsoever about periods during the school day. It is a bill that would restrict kids from talking about periods in school. What did you make of that? Well, Aaron, first of all, I'm like, when they when they get to anatomy, are they just going to redact it? There's just going to be big black lines through the textbooks? Because guess what? Textbooks are textbooks. It's in it, okay? Unless they're going to reprint all new textbooks, they're just going to have to redact this shit. The other thing I thought was that, to be very honest, I learned about periods from Judy Bloom, and uh, I was an advanced reader. So my Are You There, God, Margaret was the 1968 edition, which included uh, a maxi pad and belt scenario. So when I actually did get my period, I was very confused. And if I had not oh. had Mrs. Babineau, my also gym teacher, tell us about periods, I think I would have really been lost at sea. Yeah. I mean, like, this is, first of all, it's a stupid law. What they're trying to do is stupid. But also, like, how are they going to keep kids from talking about periods with each other? We don't know. So in celebration of this very, very stupid law, today we are going to talk about our periods. So And the panelists that are joining us for this incredible discussion. Our first panelist is starring opposite Owen Wilson, heard of him, in the upcoming film Paint in theaters April 7th. If you don't want to wait, watch her in Tiny Beautiful Things on Hulu streaming now. Michaela Watkins, welcome to Hysteria. 
Hi, hi, hi. Oh, God, it's so good to be back. How, you've been so busy. You've been so busy. Like, what aren't you in right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I'm I'm not in I'm not in hot water with anyone, as far as I know. I don't know. I don't have a good I don't have a good response to that. But uh, I I think it's just a a backlog of things that I did. And the truth is, like, I'm you know just kind of twiddling my thumbs right now. But everything's just sort of you know spewing out into the 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 radio waves now. So, <laughs> well, okay. So, if our listeners are like going to prioritize Michaela Watkins' projects, which mm-hmm. one would you tell them to go see first? Which one has the most Michaela in it? Yeah, um, I I would say a toss up between. I mean, Paint is like a quirky, weird indie film. If you're into like just very quirky, strange, it's a vibe. You know, you're really you're um, really but, selling it, Michaela. <laughs> I know it's a it's it's a total vibe. It's it's not like you're, I'm just saying. Don't expect the Hangover. You know, just because it's Owen Wilson or whatever. <laughs> Um, but, or, or whatever movies he does, but, um, I would, he's fantastic in it, by the way. Um, it's such a funny, funny little cast and it's a little, little movie. It's just, I think it's a little gem of a movie if I'm being honest, but I would say in May, uh, there's a movie, a Nicole Hollis Center movie coming out called You Hurt My Feelings. And I think it's going to be so special and it's movies that I miss seeing big time and it stars Julie Louis-Dreyfus and she and I... Um, I get to play her sister in it, which has been a lifelong dream of mine. So I would say that's in May. Um, Tiny Beautiful Things is just an obsession I have. The producer of the show, Carolyn, also, we were talking about this because because we're obsessed um, with Cheryl Strayed, who used to have an advice column called Dear Sugar. And uh, she just has when I was going through a hard time, I was reading a lot of those letters and um, they would just unravel me. Not just her responses, but the letters she would get would absolutely gut me. So uh, it was it, it was a way to feel not so lonely and sadness or pain or something. And anyway, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you get it. <laughs> no, I, you know what? That just made me think we need to get Cheryl on Hysteria. That would oh, be mm-hmm. super oh, yeah. fun. I would just you spend do. the whole time crying probably um, <laughs> just in gratitude, <laughs> but uh, that's really exciting. So yeah, I, I'm really excited to watch everything Michaela is in because she's always great and she always picks really good projects. Rounding oh, nice. out our panelist is a comedian and co-host of the podcast, Megan Fun of Sports, best title ever. And I love a Lifetime movie. You know her, you love her. Megan Gailey, welcome to Hysteria. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Um, So before we started recording, Megan, you were expressing frustration with the lack of an indictment from Trump. And I would just love to hear, (laughs) I feel like there's a good Megan rant behind it. Well, we were, I just feel like we were promised something, you know, like, it's like, you think your favorite show is premiering and then they're like, psych, not happening. And it's like, and, and I kept being like, okay, well, it's nine o'clock in LA. That means it's noon. This is perfect arresting time on the East coast. And I just can't, I can't believe I took this man's word. Like I I got on here. I go, why did they tell us? He is who told us. I'm like, well, I believed him, you know, I believed him for the first time ever because it was news I wanted to hear. And now it's not happened. And I'm like, wake me up when we have his mugshot with no makeup and no hair. Because that's really what I want. It's like, obviously, I want him behind bars and suffering. But I also (laughs) just want to see what this motherfucker looks like. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want that like 5 a.m. in the makeup chair actor to come in. You know what I mean? When they, when they walk in, you're like, oh, okay. Yes, give, give us a TikTok of him taking off the makeup at the jailhouse. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, oh, that was a wig? You know, when you, when you find out an what actress a- is like, oh, they're all wigs. That would um, be great. Oh my god! Yeah, he could have his like Viola Davis crying at his makeup um, chair moment, like she had in, I believe, How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> I mean, yes. she, she's an she's an amazing crier. She's probably the best crier of her generation. Um, uh-huh. But that's yeah. I'm thinking of like have him pe- take off the tape that holds <laughs> the head back, like all of it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Megan, you said that you believed him because he was telling you something that you wanted to hear. I think that's maybe the secret of Trumpism in general. He just tells yeah. people what they want to hear and they believe him, no, no matter how ridiculous it is. But that's a whole uh, horse of a different color. Let's talk about periods. Yeah. Kayla, mm. yeah. when did you get your period? When did you get your first period? What was it like? Were you ready? Had you heard about it in advance? I was not prepared for what what it was going to be. And, um, I was not ready. I mean, I wasn't like ready. I went to the bathroom. I was worried that maybe, cause I, I, I have this thing where I would laugh and sometimes wet my pants a little, um, <laughs> been happening my whole life. And oh, I no, thought maybe such a bad I, thing for a comedian. To- I know, I know <laughs> it's really awful. Um, and then when wait till you're older and your pelvic floor is is shit and then or people who've had babies and it's like and then they laugh and for the, you can't jump on a trampoline without weeing yourself. But um, <laughs> I uh, I I was um, yeah I was at Hebrew school like Sunday school kind of thing and I thought I'd wet my pants and uh, I wet in the bathroom and. Nobody tells you that when it starts, it's going to be brown, you know? So then I thought maybe I grabbed my pants for a second. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a sensation I don't understand because I didn't have it. Um, so uh, it took me a long time to figure out what was going on. And then I tearily called my mother. But my parents were divorced. So I got yeah. dropped off at my dad's house. And I walk in and you can imagine your now single dad sees you and says, congratulations on being a woman. And then hugged me. Uh, oh, no. If I could have been a He's Unabomber, that would have been. Yeah, it time. is like kind of sweet. It's really yeah. sweet. It's really sweet. He for the like my dad's not known for having the right response at the right time and he actually did have like cuz I remember it and I appreciate it now although at the time I wanted to electrocute him. <laughs> oh gosh, how old were you? I was it was a month before I turned uh I was I was either 12 about to turn 13. Yeah, I was I was 12 and it was a month before I turned 13 cuz I was getting ready to have a bat mitzvah, you know. So, oh, yeah. A lot going well, on. W- lot did going. people know? <laughs> was it like embarrassing? Like, had you had you been like had somebody explained to you what a period was at some point? Oh or was no, this I just like no. I live in a house with um, a woman, my mother, and two sisters who were seven and eight years older than me, and nobody talked to me. I mean, of course, I saw the pads. I never it never questioned to me why. I just sort of 
took, you know, I just saw my mom change her like weird diaper every now and then, and I never really thought about it. It's weird that I didn't even question that. You know, I used I used the panty liners as art projects and stuff, or to like bandage a wound, but I never like considered that they were like I never asked why my mom was like replacing these things in her underwear. It, it, and we were very, you know, we're like very open, pee with the door open kind of family. I just know that sometimes my sisters would like throw books at my head and I not, I didn't understand why. <laughs> but but I was reading also Judy Bloom, like you said, Alyssa, it was Tiger Eyes and she talks about her first time um, getting fingered is what it is. And I was like, wait a minute, fingered. Okay, so there's where you poop, there's where you pee. What's this third <laughs> hole? I don't know it. And I was like, well, I got to investigate. So I, you know, well, I went to town and I was like, <gasps> and I discovered it, my vagina. And I, it was like finding out that your coat has pockets. You know what I mean? You're like, what? I've had this coat for like 11 years. How did I not know it had pockets? Um, that's what that was like. But it was when my friend came over and said, guess what? I have to tell you a secret. And she really built it up. And then she told me that her sister got her period. And it was the biggest letdown because I was like, oh, what? what's a period? And she's like, you don't know? And when she told me, I barged in my sister's room and I'm like, Becca, do you have the period? And she, she you know, tried to kill me. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Megan, how about you? What's your first period story? I I got mine the summer going into sixth grade. So I was switching from schools, fifth grade to sixth grade. I went to a different school and, you know, my mom was a nurse. And so I know that I had been talked to about it. I I think at that point I even had like a little bralette and I was really fighting against everything because I had older brothers. So everything was really like mortifying to me if my mom and I had to like branch off at the outlet mall to go look at like a <laughs> bra for me. I was just like, ah, can't I just go get orange chicken? <laughs> and so, yeah, I got it. And I think I remember telling my mom and then I remember just like hiding in the bathroom. And I remember hearing my mom tell my dad and being more mortified. And then my mom wanted to take me out to lunch to celebrate. And I refused. Like, And I love going out to eat. It's my favorite thing ever to do. And I was like, I will sit at home and eat whatever you give me, but I am not going out to eat to celebrate this. And then oof, middle school was just, I mean, I still bleed through. Like I, mm. as a 37 year old woman, my period still haunts me. It, I was on vacation last week. I had it the whole time bled on Airbnb sheets. Like <laughs> I can't get this fucker under control to save my <laughs> life. Oh my God. It reminds me of that joke in 30 rock when Jack is talking about how Avery goes off to a ranch for three weeks, once a year. <laughs> Because it's like the time that she gets her period. And he's like, we've just about beaten this thing. And I was just, I really do. I mean, it was a joke, but it's like, God, why can't we beat this thing? It sucks. Alyssa, what's your uh, first period story? Uh, My first, so like Michaela, I did not understand. It was brown. I'm like, this isn't, what is this? Why am I dripping brown? And ultimately, I talked to my best friend, Kara. I think I was in sixth grade fifth or sixth grade. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. It's like, I got this brown stuff in my underwear. And she's like, maybe you got your period. And I was in utter denial. She's like, look in your mom's medicine cabinet or like in her linen closet, because I bet she has maxi pads or tampons. 
So I'm like, okay, you guys, I go home. I remember this clear as fucking day. I go home and I was like, all right. I gird myself. I'm like, let's get into it. My mother used OB tampons. Applicator free. What the fuck was I supposed to do with that? I was like, That's what so are these? DIY. I was yeah, like, these bad. are like corks. Like, what are these? This is crazy. And so anyway, I decided to go into complete denial. I was like, I don't have my period. This is crazy. It's fine. And then about two months later, I really, really got my period on the plane on our way to Hawaii. And I uh, decided I wasn't going to tell anyone about it. And I just used toilet oh. paper for the entire vacation. Oh, my God. <gasps> Honey. Each time would have been. We've, so we've all done the toilet paper roll, right? And of course, oh, back then, yeah, there was, but I, it was still up in the air as to whether uh, if you got your period, sharks could smell it. Remember? <laughs> was, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. This is the mid 80s. Where did, where did we land on that? Uh, they can can't. They can't. I think, I think they I think definitely can't. Well, they can't. They can or the, can't. The bears. The bears that don't care. You guys. The sharks. We're spreading do. misinformation. I'm going to Google. <laughs> there was a myth too. I, I that like when you're in the water, your period stops. So yeah. I used to always I be thought like, oh, too. if I'm in the water, I won't be bleeding. And then you get out and you're bleeding. But a, uh, a pool. <laughs> a pool Ugh. to a teen girl. Yikes. Ugh. Yeah, that's a nightmare. I was like, I was like the last person in my grade to get their period. Ryan's are slow growers. Like I was the shortest kid in class all through school. I was just like the the wee little one. And then finally, I think my like growth spurt, growth spurt happened between my junior and senior year of high school. Um, wow. And I got my period when I was 15. Um, I was almost 16. So I was like a late late bloomer. Um, at the time I was like kind of mortified by being like smaller and kind of more childlike in terms of my body than anybody else. But now looking back, I'm really grateful that like I had such a long girlhood. Um, because like the second you look in any way, like an adult woman in any way, men start to be creeps to you. And then that takes something away from you. So, you know, but at the time I was just like, oh, fuck, what is, what is wrong with me? Um, so it was every year my, my dad would take me and my brother down to the state basketball tournament in Madison. It was like a four and a half, five hour drive. And it was the day that we were going to leave to go down to the boys state basketball tournament. And I was so excited. It was like one of my favorite times of the year. And we were going to bring my, my brother was bringing his friend Scotty down. And so it was going to be me, my dad, two boys in the car for like five hours. And I woke up that morning after my mom had left for work and it was like a very bad period. It was like, I had gotten a super period and I was like, holy shit, I don't know what, what to do. So I had to like teach myself how to use tampons that oh, morning God. in the bathroom. Mm. And you did um, it? Yes. I was determined. Wow. I was like, I got to fucking figure this out because otherwise I have to like not, what am I going to not go to the, it was, I could have told my dad which absolutely uh-huh. not off the table. Um, or I could figure out how to handle it myself in a way that no, so nobody could know. My my main feeling was like, nobody can know that this is happening. Totally. I can't tell anybody. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I took care of it, but it was like really bad. And the whole way down to Madison, like every hour I'd be like, ah, I have to go to the bathroom again. And my brother and his friend would be like, Aaron, what, and then that, like, and it was, it was bad. But get down to Madison, we are staying with my aunt and uncle. And my aunt Tracy is like a social worker and she is one of those social workers who's like worked with teens. And so she had been preparing her whole life (laughs) 
to like be a period doula to somebody. <laughs> and like she had two kids and they were, but they were really little. So I get down there and Aunt Tracy, I tell Aunt Tracy and she's like, we got this. And she like went into social worker action, like took me to a drugstore. Like if you need anything, you let me know. She was like, so mm. she had been training her whole life for this. Um, and so she period was, she doula. was great. She got yeah, she like helped me through it and then everything was, you know, fine. Um, but, you know, all through my like adult life, I was on one form of birth control or another, which like messes with your period. And before I had um, before I decided that I wanted to have a kid, I was on I had an IUD, which basically made my period go away. And um, I tell you, after having a kid, Megan, I'm sure this has happened to you. The first period back after you have a kid is a fucking nightmare. Like an absolute nightmare. And I don't know about you. I got mine like three months postpartum and I was still breastfeeding. And that was a myth too. People were like, oh, you're going to lose weight when you're breastfeeding. Fuck off. I'll kill you. (laughs) And you're gonna, and you won't have your period. And so it's like, you get your period, you're leaking out of your boobs, you're bleeding. And you're just like, what is God. And it, yes, it's so intense. It's horrible. It's like your body was like, oh, you know what? We're going to incentivize you getting pregnant again by making your period even worse. I had a year off. I had a whole year after she was born where I like didn't have one. And I was like, this is great. And then when it came back, I was like, motherfucker, it sucks. Yeah. So bad. Even like listening to us and then thinking about that bill, it's like they, they're making it seem like we love this. Like, I know. Like, oh my God. You know what we <laughs> got to get into? My favorite time of the month. Like, it's like it, we all despise it. We don't, we wish we didn't have to talk about it. And that's the thing. My, my friend's daughter, um, I, have, I have so many anecdotes from friends because all their daughters are now coming of age in this. And um, my friend's daughters are about to learn about sex ed in school. And there was this big question mark um, that some of the parents got upset because the, they were going to mix the, the genders uh, in the classroom learning about it. So both boys and girls were going to learn about periods together instead of separating them. And some of the parents were like, no, they should separate them. And, and my friend's daughter, who's uh, 11, 10 or something was like, yeah, they should separate us. I don't want to like talk about this in front of boys. And I, and I said, yeah, but you know what? I said, they need to know, like they need to know what's happening to, to our bodies because we're half the population. And I go, sweetheart, I spent so much of middle school hiding my tampons, hiding my period, Mm -hmm. hiding all these things of this thing that I didn't want either. It was so natural. Listen, I wish there was a red tent situation that we could all <laughs> once a month go to a place, hang out with other women, play cards, drink wine, like sit in, sit in, uh, like sit in a hole and bleed into it and just like gossip. I would <laughs> love that. That's the only thing from Bible days that I think like it was a was a good idea. Um, but but it doesn't. And we have to like be in the world and 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 they need to know what what we're going through and they need to understand what's happening to our bodies as well because it's not shameful and my mm-hmm. friends my friend is i have another friend who's divorced and her ex-husband told her daughter that you know when she got her period said well you're not allowed to use tampons until until ninth grade until you're in high school and she was like what where did he get this idea 
Like he knows nothing about it. And thank God she is such a smart mom who instilled her with so much, so much, uh, you know, uh, self, you know, common sense, I guess, that she said to him, you are not going to tell me what to do with my body. Thank God. And she like turned to her dad and said, you don't have control over my vagina. I like, what did he think that if she, you know, that's a gateway drug talking (laughs) about periods, talking about tampons means you just can't wait to stick a, a a banana or a lamp (laughs) up your vagina like that. (laughs) Like Mary Poppins magical bag, right? We're putting plants in there. We're putting, (laughs) I mean, that's such a good point, Michaela. And I think the, the men making these laws right now, Mm-hmm. are the ones who did not who do not know how any of this shit works and they're trying to make laws governing like all aspects of the female reproductive system and i and i think that having boys in the same room as you're learning about periods could probably be a little awkward but i think a good teacher and some good classroom management can like nip that in the bud right then because otherwise like if they're learning about it alone they're just going to be like gross they're going to be gross about yeah. it yeah or I they're think gonna there's turn also off. things happening to boys' bodies that I definitely didn't understand. Like, it's like, yes, do I want to be sitting next to a friend when I learn about morning wood? No, <laughs> but like there's things going on that we could have an exchange of ideas here. Mm-hmm. There was There's this um, reality show called Summer House, and a girl on it didn't – a married woman – I don't know why I said a girl, a married woman didn't have her period for nine months and her husband had no idea. And so it raised this conversation online and people were talking about like, oh yeah, no, my partner doesn't know when I have my period or not. And I was like, oh, my period makes itself known. <laughs> like <laughs> my husband knows when I have my period. Would it, would, if I were able to be like, when was my last period? Like even I get confused <laughs> at the doctor, but I'm like, oh my God, there are, there are grown people whose partners they're height, not hiding it from, but they're still just like, oh, the smell, the garbage, the all the things that we also find disgusting. They are just taking that in and internalizing and not even sharing with their life partner. And it was so shocking to me how many people were like, yeah, no, I'm in that boat too. Mm-hmm. Do you hide tampons when you are carrying them to the bathroom? Do you try to like put them in your sleeve anymore? Alyssa, you're shaking your head no. No. I used to, but now I don't. Fuck that shit. Do you I like mean, wave it around like yeehaw? Here like we go. I don't even. I just pick it up and I go. Whether I'm at a restaurant or wherever, I don't really care. Do you ever get weird looks? No, they're all different packaging now, right? I think mine are black, so I don't think anyone's like black. oh yeah, and they're cool. like they're black. They're the <laughs> the black packaging, and they're like a compressed applicator, oh, yeah. so it's not. It just looks like you know, it looks like a lipstick, but not. And who cares? I always ask um, somebody for a tampon in front of mixed company because I'm trying to destigmatize asking for wow. a tampon from somebody. Um, now I don't a- I ask went- anybody because I don't have a uterus anymore. But <laughs> oh yeah, congratulations on that. Thank That's you. Great. Thank you. I had I had a um, for those listening. I had to have an emergency hysterectomy, but um, for reasons that like I'm ultra super even healthier now. And as my friend Krista always said. I, that's great because I don't know anybody who hates their period more than you. So <laughs> <laughs> I went to uh, 
the Super Bowl and I was on my period, which is like not the place you want to be going on your period. And you can't take purses <laughs> in. And this was pre those like clear bags that somebody made for us. And so my dad had to hold, and it was like day two of my period and the Super Bowl. Oh, no. So my, my dad had to, I had like two tampons in my pocket. And then I was like, listen, dad, I'm going to need you to carry some heat for me. <laughs> so he had to carry like three tampons in his pocket to go watch the Eagles beat the Patriots. It's in the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh and that was the Minneapolis one, too. So you were yeah. so, like, oh, my God. Well, wow. the good thing is it was so cold there that I was like, I got layers on. You know, <laughs> So if I bleed through the first layer, I got two layers to go. Also, it'll freeze before it hits the ground, right? It'll become like a sort yeah. of, yeah, it'll freeze first. Uh, that's gross. Oh, um, God. Uh, Alyssa, what would you want to tell your younger self about periods? Like, what do you wish you would have known before? Well, I wish I would have known that belts had gone the way of the (laughs) – that belts were not really a thing anymore with maxi pads. I think I would have – I didn't tell – like, I was was so embarrassed. I think that's the thing. I felt, like, dirty. Mostly I was, like, I had heard that periods were terrible. I think that, like – I don't know about you guys, but when I got my period, I I knew no no positive things about it, and it's not positive. But I think – I wish that I would have understood the difference between the fact that, yes, periods are terrible, but they're not embarrassing. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think I Mm -hmm. felt very embarrassed and self-conscious when I got my period. Also, like, I didn't even have – I still wore an undershirt. Like, I was like – I felt like things were very out of order, like, when I got my (laughs) period. But I wish I had known that it's okay to think it's terrible, but you don't have to be embarrassed. Megan, how about you? I think I would have told myself I really struggled with tampons. I was not able to, like, start – put put in a tampon, I almost said on my own, um, because people were trying to help me, you know, like it really took a village. I didn't start wearing tampons until like college. And so I was like struggling through pads because I I just was so afraid and they hurt. And I think I would have told myself like just power through and it would have saved me a lot of bathing suits. Oh, Michaela, how about you? Um, I would have told myself that Motrin works better than Tylenol for the low back pain and all those things. And I would have told myself on day two is a self-care day. Don't schedule anything on day two. Um, Just sleep and hang out in bed and eat whatever you want and or do it anyway, any day, (laughs) but particularly day two. Uh, And I would have probably told myself that – like those thinks underwear and like period underwear, I would have gone back in time and invented them. And uh, <laughs> those are amazing. Those oh, were amazing. Man. They were, those were a game changer for me. And they came out like my last year of having my period. <laughs> so. Oh man. So that is, that's a great idea to build a time machine so you can invent period underwear. Yeah. Um, I think your point, Michaela, about giving yourself the space to just like, experience the hormonal fluctuations that come with being a person with a female body. Um, that's really important. And I wish I would have internalized that too. Like the two days before my period, I need to be prepared to feel despondent because that's just yes. how it is. I yes. just, there's completely hopeless crying at everything. Despair. And when, then, then my period comes and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not despairing anymore, but I do feel gross. And then day two sucks. But those four days are days that it's like, don't schedule stuff. Don't try to go out. Don't try to like put in a lot of work. 
you just got to kind of like take care of yourself those days. Um, yeah, I, I really hope, you know, this was a, a fun conversation, even though periods are not fun. It's nice to like commiserate on the fact that we all share this particular kind of misery. Um, and I hope that lawmakers in Florida are not so stupid as to try to prevent girls in the state from having these conversations because I don't, what are you going to send like a 10 year old to jail? Like what right. are you going to do? Well, I, how, how are you going to enforce this? I can't believe we even have to have this conversation, but I guess I just have to stop saying I can't believe it and just figure out what we're going to do about these fucking morons. <laughs> That's a great call. We got to figure out what we're going to do about these fucking morons. <laughs> On that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. So stick around. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday. And French fries are a food group where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. I live by routines, especially my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Before we get to Sandy Petty, a couple of announcements for the class. Ooh, I'm excited about this. Love a good announcement for the class. I'm excited about this. Okay, get ready to be transported back to 1973 New York City with Stift, the new podcast from Crooked Media and iHeartRadio. In this eight-part series, host Jennifer Romolini takes you on a wild ride through the rise and fall of Viva, the erotic magazine for women started by porn king publisher Bob Guccione, that rocked the publishing world. With a team of feminist writers and editors behind it, Viva, in its original form, had full frontal male nudity, a fashion section run by Anna Wintour, and cover stars like Bianca Jagger. But were they doomed to fail from the beginning? Check out the series trailer for Stift right now and don't miss the first episode dropping on March 30th. Listen for free on your favorite podcast platform. All right. The gang's all still here. We are going to talk about what is keeping us sane or what is making us feel petty this week. Megan Gailey, lead us off. I don't know if this has already been recommended, but I loved Pamela, A Love Story. It's the Pam Anderson documentary on Netflix. And it really, a lot of the listeners probably have already been through this, but it really helped Ooh, for me, look back at 
that specific time of the 90s and the early aughts and just think about how terrible we were to certain women and how certain women's bodies became the entirety of their identity in in culture. And it was really fascinating and heartbreaking. And I was someone who did watch the Hulu show, the Pam and Tommy one, and it made me feel really bad that I did that because she was not for it. Uh, And it does end up having a a happy and hopeful ending. So it it encompassed all of the things, the anger, hope. And I think she's just a really sweet, nice mom at the end of the day. Oh, wasn't her wedding dress? She has a wedding dress in there that is just like amazing, right? Isn't there like- I hope. I hope it wasn't the one to Kid Rock um, because when her and Tommy got married, she got married in a white bikini on the beach in Cancun. Okay. Wow. That's a choice for sure. <laughs> That's a choice. Well, they've known each other five days. So okay. she had a – you know how long a wedding dress takes. You can't get one in Cancun in five days. I mean, the 90s were so fucked up to women. The 90s and into into the aughts, like in in through like – yeah, it was so bad. There, there's just a montage of, at one point of her on late night shows. And like, we're talking the best of the best. Like, I'm not even talking all the scumbags. Like, Larry King asking her about her boobs. Like, it's just every single time she's interviewed, it's about her breasts. And it's like, she's there promoting a film. Like, it, it's so crazy. And it, and it is actually, I guess, good to see how far we've come in a pretty short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. It's like the the way the freedoms that women have are kind of going down the tubes, but people mm-hmm. are nicer to us, I guess, in, in interviews and late night shows. <laughs> yeah. So that's the trade off. That's the trade off. Um, Alyssa said, "Yeah, Alyssa, Sanity Corner, or I feel petty this week." Okay, so it's Sanity Corner, and uh, okay, much like Megan, spent a little time on Netflix, and I was watching the latest season of You. And because I started watching the latest season of You, on my I didn't watch it on my iPad or my computer. It was on the television. But somehow, my social media knew that I was watching You. And I started getting served all of Penn Badgley's uh, social media. And let me tell you something. He is a mensch. He is a social media icon. I could not enjoy anything more than his TikToks. I have watched his Taylor Swift one, which, by the way, now... If you watch it after you watch the whole season of you, you'll actually get what he was doing. And I was like, I felt so in the know. I was like, oh, I fucking get it now, Penn. I get it. And I just thought it was so (laughs) charming and so funny. And I really, uh, I enjoyed it. And now when I'm in a little bit of a, 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 a testy mood, I'm like, let's see if he's posted on Instagram. Let's see if he's on the, I literally log on to TikTok once a week and it's just to see what he's done. Mm hmm. Okay, that's great. That's yeah. a good sanity corner brought to you by the Panopticon that is social media <laughs> yeah. that's watching you all the time. Um, okay, I've got a petty. It's a really short petty, but if it is a temperature outside that is really unpleasant, don't hold the door open behind you when you enter an establishment. You just, you, you let, so, if someone is like literally right behind you and you hold the door to be polite, but don't sit there if they're like five steps away, unless they're like, struggling with something, don't hold the door open. You're we we're you're wasting energy heating the outside, cooling the outside. You got to like just let the door close. That's that's the right way to do it. And I have a story that goes along with this um cuz every time I think about this petty of mine, I think about this story. I was at a restaurant in New York City 
uh, an Italian restaurant on Houston Street, and I don't know if it's still there, but it's great. Uh, I think it's called Emilio's or Emiliano's or something. Anyway, I was there with a roommate for her birthday, and the roommate's mom was there. And we were sitting at a table near the door. And somebody walks in and just kind of holds the door open because they have like a posse with them. And it is Drake, the singer, Drake. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. Zoe Kravitz is with him. And uh, he's just holding the door open, looking real Canadian in like a sweater. He's (laughs) be-sweatered. And um, my roommate's mom turns to me and she was like, is that someone important? And I was like, yeah, it's Drake. And she goes, well, he's being very rude. And she yelled at him for holding the door open on a cold day. <laughs> and Drake apologized and closed the door because he knew that he was in the wrong. So, um, yeah, don't hold the door open when it's freezing outside or when it's really cold outside or unpleasant. Don't want to do that. Such a Midwestern petty. <laughs> I like when they have those little, like, you know, in Chicago, they would build them in New York, too. Oh, yeah. They build, like, winter doors. Vestibules, So it's yes. like there's an outside door, and then there's the regular door, and you can just contain it in that little faux foyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I love those. And when you see those coming down, you go, ooh, baby, <laughs> let's start getting in bikini shape. <laughs> like, it's like, really, that spring has sprung when those fuckers go away. <laughs> right. It's like Easter for people who don't go to church. You're like, here it yeah. is. It's time to yes. the seasons to change. Christ um, has Mikhail- risen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christ has risen and he's taken down the winter doors. Uh, <laughs> Michaela. Are you uh, doing Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty this week? I'm going to do uh, a quick a quick soundbite from both, if that's okay. Oh, of course. Yeah. Just just a, a quickie. Okay. So what I was going to say is, uh, speaking of Canadians, I just got back from working in England for four months. And I, like Alyssa, love all things British. I, you know, if I could... Uh, dissolve and come alive and it would be in an Emergent Ivory film or some Jane Austen (laughs) film. Like, I'm a huge Anglophile. But Canadians and and Brits and anyone in the Commonwealth probably all have this habit of saying absolutely when they mean no. And (laughs) I just think just say no. You know what I mean? Like, if you say, oh, um, are we going to have coats in this scene? Absolutely. And that means no. And I, it took me a long time to realize that absolutely meant not a chance. Not a chance. That's not happening. So that's my quick petty. But I want to say as a sanity thing, just I want to plug um, a, a podcast that I heard on the Ezra Klein show um, with, uh, I don't know if it's Jillian or Gillian Brandstetter, who's a communication strategist at the American Civil Liberties for uh, Women's Rights and, um, and LGBTQ. And uh, she is, I believe, a, a trans woman uh, speaking about trans rights. And I learned, you guys, I thought I was an advocate. I thought I was an ally. I, I identify female. So I, you know, I'm cisgendered female. So I get to take a lot for granted here. And I have so many friends and family and family members who are um, transitioning. And I thought I knew things and I didn't. And I feel like I have come to learn about gender dysphoria in a way that I I didn't totally have a grasp on it before. And if anybody is struggling um, with any of it, I would highly recommend this podcast, the Ezra Klein. It's called, If You Read the GOP's Anti-Trans Policies, You'll See What It Really Wants. And I, I can't recommend that podcast specifically enough. She was an excellent Amazing. guest. Yeah. 
Well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so our listeners can can find that and enrich their base of knowledge for sure. And uh, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria. Megan and Michaela, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you to author Jody Pico for stopping by and talking about what it feels like to be banned to the bone. <laughs> Alyssa Mastermonico, thank you so much for being my ride or die per usual. Listeners, thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you for tuning in every week. And there will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroot. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.